0: Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. At the beginning of our worship in church, on the four Sundays of Advent, we light candles, one more each Sunday until Christmas Day, when we light a fifth candle that reminds us of the birth of the light of the world. For our online worship during Advent, you might like to find five candles of your own and light them one by one each Sunday too, or just a single candle to light each week as we begin our worship. And so let us pray together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The prophet Isaiah said, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. As we light our Advent candles, we say, may this candle, O Lord of light, be to us a symbol of the hope and joy of Advent. Open our eyes and wake us up, so that we may see the glimmers of dawn in our lives and our world, reminding us of your presence with us and around us, this day and every day. Amen. And we hear the special prayer for today. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and to put on the armour of light, now in the time of this mortal life, in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to us in great humility, that on the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through him who is alive and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and for ever. Amen. Our first reading is from Romans chapter 13, beginning at verse 11. Brothers and sisters, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers, The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us live honourably as in the day, not in revelling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarrelling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh To gratify its desires
1: the reading is taken from matthew chapter 24 verses 36 to 44 no one knows about that day or hour not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the father as it was in the days of noah so it will be at the coming of the son of man for in the days before the flood people were eating and drinking Marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch
0: In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. And as I'm sure you know, Advent means coming. From the Latin Adventus. What's coming? Well, Christmas, of course. Baby Jesus, Santa Claus, presents, tinsel, carol singing, possibly a bit too much in my case. Turkey, if bird flu hasn't wiped them all out. There may be also indigestion coming, and an extra inch or two on the waistline. Sadly, for many, the anxiety of how they'll pay for it all is coming, or the sadness of knowing that they just can't. We may be looking forward with excitement or dread, but we know more or less how it will all pan out. But our Advent hymns and readings remind us that there's more to this season than simply getting ready to hear the story of the coming of a baby in the manger in Bethlehem. Lo, he comes with clouds descending, we sing during Advent. This Christ is robed in dreadful majesty. He's not wrapped in swaddling bands. And in another great Advent hymn, Hills of the North Rejoice, we travel around all four points of the compass and hear that the God whom you have longed to know in Christ draws near and calls you now. Advent isn't just about the Christ who came 2,000 years ago. It's also about the Christ who comes to us in the present and in the future. Are we ready for him? We're probably quite comfortable with the Christmas story. We know how it turns out. There may be no room at the inn, but we know that the child will at least have a manger to lie in. Danger may threaten from kings and emperors, but we know that the child will survive. Shepherds will be amazed. Magi will manage finally to find the child and to adore him. We know that everything will turn out okay, despite the dangers and setbacks. But what about now? Where is God now? And where will God be in what's to come? That's the bit we're not so sure about. But in a way, it's the bit that matters most. Because we can only live in the present and the future. The past is gone. It's good to look back at it and learn from it, but today and tomorrow are the only things we can truly engage with, the only things we can change. The imagery of our Advent hymns and readings deliberately invites us to ask those more disturbing questions. They talk about a second coming, something that might sound uncomfortable to the modern mind, making us think about those medieval images of the Day of Judgment, with the saved rising up to heaven and the damned going down to hell. It may think, make us think of street preachers proclaiming that the end is nigh. People have taken literally the idea in our Gospel reading that two will be in a field, one will be taken and one left behind, and tried to scare people into the kingdom, a tactic that rarely works by asking what it would be like to be the one left behind. But it seems to me that this fairly spectacularly misses the point. The Bible was largely written by and for people who were suffering, people who were oppressed, little people in a world where big people ruled, people on the margins whose lives were nothing to the people at the centre. The message of the second coming of Jesus, the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, was one of hope for them, not of fear. It told them that things wouldn't always be as they were now. The book of Revelation, much beloved by conspiracy theorists, who can find almost anything in it they want to, is really a message to the persecuted Christians of its own time, telling them that Rome wouldn't rule forever, any more than the ancient power of Babylon, which had once oppressed the people of Israel, had. To those who first heard that message, it said that God hadn't given up on them, and that he never would. African-American slaves loved these writings too, and they inspired many of their spirituals, because they heard in them the message that whatever happened however great the injustice they were living under. In life and in death, God had not forgotten them. For us too, the message of Advent is that God has a habit of turning up when we least expect him, bringing love and life and new beginnings into situations that might seem hopeless to us. The night is far gone, says Paul, the day is near. The message of Advent is a message of hope, rooted in our relationship with a God who loves all that he's made. But if we're going to find that hope, we need first to have the courage to open our eyes, to wake up. Now is the moment to wake out of sleep, says Paul. When times are tough, we're all tempted to close our eyes, to hunker down and hope the bad things will go away to deny that the problems exist at all. Whether it's climate change deniers, Covid deniers, or the really odd idea that disasters like the Manchester Arena bombing or the Sandy Hook shootings didn't happen and were staged by crisis actors, but there are always people ready to believe that bad things really aren't happening, that troubles have just been made up for some strange reason... But even if we don't believe that, we can all find ourselves minimising or avoiding situations we'd rather not think about. We may not be climate change deniers, but often we carry on regardless, not making the changes we need to, because it all just feels too dark and scary to contemplate. Like the people Jesus talks about, who were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, we behave as if it's no big deal. Why? Well, I think it's usually because we feel powerless and hopeless. It's all too big and we're too small, so the best thing is to ignore it. Eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But Christian faith tells us that while we are often powerless, we always have hope. Not because of our own strength, but in God. The God who came to us in Jesus. The God who still comes to us and will never leave us, whether we live or die, succeed or fail. It doesn't mean that nothing bad will happen. But it does mean that whatever happens, we'll still be eternally loved. And that can give us the strength to keep on loving, to keep living our lives honourably as in the day, as St Paul puts it. We may not always see the fruits of our efforts in our own lifetimes, but love and goodness are never wasted, never pointless. That's what our hope tells us. The American poet Emily Dickinson put it well in her poem, Hope is the thing with feathers. She compares hope to a bird that sings through the night, through the storms. It sings, she says, not because of anything we do, but simply because that's its nature, and so it's unstoppable. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words. And never stops at all and sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm i've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me in our dark and scary world advent like that little bird, sings to us of the love of God, of the worth and belovedness of all his creation to him. And it calls to us to look up and to discover the hope that's rooted in God, who comes to us today and tomorrow and forever. Amen. As we bring our prayers to God, so we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Christ, the Son of Righteousness, shine upon you. Scatter the darkness from before your path and make you ready to meet him when he comes in glory. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.